Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes of veteran mental health. I'm your host, Dwayne France. Let's get ready to make sure that your headspace and timing is set correctly. Hey everybody, welcome to Headspace and Timing. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for checking us out. As many of you who serve know, the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal, is one of the greatest weapons in the military's arsenal. The weapon's headspace and timing isn't set right, however, it's just a huge chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing is not set correctly either. That's my mission here, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week we'll talk about different aspects of veteran mental health and interview mental health professionals that are working with veterans, service members, and their families around the country. Okay, hey folks, um, welcome to uh, today's uh, Headspace and Timing podcast show. Uh, you know, normally uh, I have some guests on here, maybe some clinical mental health counselors uh, who work with veterans, um, maybe some veterans who uh, have, uh, have accessed clinical mental health counseling and, and talking about their, their situation. But obviously the, the national conversation right now uh, is about what happened uh, in Las Vegas uh, this past Sunday night, which uh, I think would have been uh, October 1st, uh, in which uh, uh, Stephen Paddock had uh, opened fire uh, on a, a defenseless crowd. And, uh, and, and, as, uh, and as I've been watching this over the past couple days, um, you know that, uh, that we see these things, veterans see these things in a different light. Uh, and, and I have a... Uh, a good friend, a connection here, um, who happened to be uh, on the strip that night. She was not at the concert, uh, but uh, we're going to have a conversation about uh, um, about what she experienced and, and our thoughts from uh, from veteran standpoint. So, uh, I would like to introduce Nicole Johnson. Uh, Nicole, thanks for coming on the show. Dwayne, um, I'm happy to be here for sure. So yeah, let's get this thing going and get this stuff out there and talk about it. Yeah, no, I, this was uh, this is definitely something that I think we need to talk about. Uh, something that needs to be discussed. It's something that we're all talking about, but I believe that veterans have a unique perspective uh, on this situation, having uh, experienced uh, things like this before. So uh, before we get into that, I'd like you to introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about your military career as much as you're uh, comfortable sharing, and we'll go from there. Sure. Okay. Um, Reader's Digest version, um, Nicole Johnson, like you said, uh, former combat medic, 
joined the Army in 2009. Um, spent most of my career overseas. Um, my last tour was with a, uh, a combat engineer group, so learned a lot from these guys. Um, also learned a lot about trauma management, response, um, point of injury care, and things like that. Um, so when I got out um, into 2012, I jumped into EMS thinking it would be a pretty easy you know, transition and uh, couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> Civilian EMS is a, God love them, it's, it's not my gig. Um, so trying to find kind of a new path and um, ended up starting my own company, um, working with first responders, police, you know, police departments and civilians doing what basically I learned how to do in the military, which is treating traumatic injuries at, you know, the point of injury. Um, those first life-saving interventions such as putting on tourniquets and, you know, basic hemorrhage control techniques and things like that. So um, obviously for me, this is, this is a big component. Um, and really last night, um, I'm sorry, um, Sunday night hit, hit it home and hit hard for me, um, you know, being there and seeing all that carnage and just not being able to do anything and seeing so many p other people around me not being able to do anything. And, you know, it was just, it was one of those things where, you know, we've got to do something. We've got a good start. You know, these, uh, these techniques and stuff, they've got the Stop the Bleed campaign um, initiative, but it's still, it's, it's so small and not really known and we've got to get it out there, um, you know, just for things like this. So. You know, I, I hear you uh, talk about the carnage. Uh, obviously, you know, my, my hair was standing on end the entire time. We were uh, paying attention to it uh, all day Monday. Uh, but for someone who, who has experienced it, uh, to call it carnage tells me exactly what it was. Now, you and I uh, actually served in the same theater. I think that you uh, you deployed um, one cycle right after me. So I was in RC East 2009-2010, um, and you were there 10 and 11 and and I think you and I have talked about that that uh, RC East, maybe Kandahar, and, and maybe down in Hellman were probably three of the most kinetic um, uh, deployment spots. Um, and, and so if you're comfortable, compared to what you experienced in Afghanistan to what you saw Sunday night? Honestly, it's, um, it's apples and oranges, and it's really something that you – it, they're not comparable. Um, they're completely different scenarios. Like we were talking about earlier, um, combat is um, it's a stage theater of operations. Both sides um, have their weapons. They have their mission and objectives. They they know what they're supposed to do. Um, this this was a massacre. This was one man with um, with heavy heavy weapons um, just raining down on um, you know unprepared, unarmed, and um, you know just civilians there to have a good time. And um, you could see it, you know, and um, I was driving by basically as this was happening, you know, um, and the footage on the cell phone of uh, what's Aldine, is that who it was, yes. looking around? I mean, it was it was happening right there. And, um, you know, you saw when people started to realize what was happening, um, you know, people started dropping um, some out of fear, you know, just hitting the dirt, trying to get low and some, you know, because they were being hit. Um, and then it was just chaos, you know, people were going one way and the other. And, you know, he had a suite, you know, which basically looked off um, two different sides. So he had intersecting fields of fire. So he was basically just screwing with people and, and there was no way for them to know where it was coming from and take appropriate cover. And um, so he had the tactical advantage on a bunch of people that had no way to respond, um, you know, just trying to get out of line of fire. Um, so combat is uh, combat is 
combat is chaos, but it's controlled chaos. Um, what happened in Vegas was, um, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it. Um, I don't know. You know, it, I think that we, words we all, you're, you're right. Words, words can't uh, describe it yet. We're, we're, we're doing our best to try to make sense of it and, and, um, and, and provide that help. You know, they say, they say, um, you know, combat is a two-way rifle range. Um, you know, whereas, uh, those of us in the military, we, we train on a one-way rifle range, but, uh, uh, sort of a two-way shooting gallery. That wasn't this. This was this was just a one-way rifle range with um, with uh, innocent people on one end. Um, and uh, and I, I get it. You know, there's there is no comparable. Like you said, it is truly a massacre in the the most um, uh, literal sense of the word. So. Uh, tell me, and we before we got on the recording, you talked a little bit about what was happening and 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 where you were at. I, I think you said you were there for a softball tournament or something. So, I mean, you were you were in Vegas for, you know, uh, S and Gs too, right? You know, I mean, it, it was this is this is not something that you were expecting. So, so talk me through sort of you know where you were at, what you were doing on Sunday. Okay, I'm um, sure, and yeah, definitely was wasn't expecting this, and that was part of my whole um, just anger with this entire situation. You know, from the moment I realized what was happening to, you know, even now, um, in my head, I'm going, why didn't I have my gun? Why why wasn't I, you know, ready to respond? Um, even though it's foolish, you know, what am I going to do with a nine millimeter against you know all of his entire arsenal? But you know, it's it's that thing in your head that just goes. Oh, what if something had been different? What if I could have done something if, different? Yeah. But um, no, I was I was just there on business, you know, slash pleasure. Um, Priest, my company was sponsoring a um a team that was in a softball tournament, so we were going there to kind of cheer them on and um, you know, have a presence there and just enjoy Vegas. And um, was just driving the strip, taking in the lights and stuff. Um, and coming back, um, you know, was when it it hit me and um, I really just when hell broke loose um, and traffic stopped, I mean, really very quickly. So I'm stuck right there in the middle of all this chaos and people are starting to kind of leave the park area and just run into the streets. Um, and I stopped one lady and was like, Hey, what's going on? She said, um, some way shooting, you know, people, people are hit. Um, and she took off again. So of course me, um, because <laughs> I don't have any common sense, I get in my car and head towards it, um, try to anyway, but I can't make my way there, and um, it's just, you know, traffic is just standing still, um, and by the time I do get close enough, they've already got it cordoned off, and they're they're just not letting people in the scene. People are still coming out, but, you know, obviously they have to, at this point, um, secure it as much as possible. Um, by this time, you know, the shooting was pretty well contained. Um, he was still in the hotel and still shooting, but he had stopped shooting out to the streets. Um, so, you know, they were, they were doing all this triage and casualty assessment and I'm standing there going, I'm a medic, let me in. And, you know, just, they didn't care, which I understand, but it was still so frustrating. So, um, you know, driving around trying to find a hole, like I'm getting in here. Y'all just don't know it yet. Um, and I end up kind of in the Mandalay Bay, um, AO and was trying to kind of find my way in there and, um, made it down to the park garage and I was listening to the scanner and, Man, that was just a whole other nightmare. Um, you know, these guys screaming and uh, whispering, trying to you know figure out what's going on and coordinate and uh, listening to the body count just add up. You know, you have civilians down 
slowly down and um, you know, just one after the other. It's like, holy shit, this is happening. This is really happening. And I'm right here and I've got to do something. So I was about to do something. I didn't know what. I didn't have a gun. I didn't have a bat. I didn't, I didn't have anything. Um, but I was going in. And um, luckily, two people with common sense showed up and they stopped me. Um, a couple of uh, Las Vegas PD, I suppose. And um, so they turned me out. And at this point, I was just, I was just so overwhelmed and frustrated and angry. I just, uh, I, I was like, okay, I can't do anything here. They're not going to let me. Um, so I went back to my hotel and uh, made contact with security there, and told them what was going on, and uh, was trying to just get them ready. And other than that, I just kind of sat there and waited. And uh, eventually, the police department showed up at our hotel and locked it down, and nobody in or out. But you know, it was just a overwhelming response. Um, it really was. I gotta say, I'm gonna give those guys props. But it was just a, it was a crazy situation, and I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm angry that I couldn't do that. At the same time, I'm glad that I was able to kind of step back and let them go. It's just one of those tough situations, you know. You know, that's, uh, and you're talking about just even from the very beginning, the typical response um, of, uh, of, a, of a veteran, you know, um, of someone who is trained. Um, you, you have your medical skill, but you also have your, um, your soldier skill, I guess. Um, to to move towards uh, something to do something rather than uh, than run away. I, I was listening. Uh, of course, we're all listening to um, the uh, the news and things like that. And heard yesterday about one uh, one of the guys who was there close to stage was saying that uh, LVPD or an LEO was was pointing them to safety, pointing them away from the shooter, and then turn around and ran towards it. And and so that's. Uh, that's something that um, isn't typical. It's against. Uh, I don't think it's common sense. I mean, you know, I, I assume. It's, <laughs> yeah. No, definitely not common sense. Um, well, but, but, uh, but it's but you it's know, whatever it is, I'm I'm thankful for it. But it's common to us, right? It's common to veterans. It's common to what what um, what what we're trying to do. What we want to do. I mean, obviously. I mean, I, I even re- recall um, when the Paris attacks had occurred. Um, uh, last year, one of the first thoughts that came in my mind is like, uh, man, they're going to need a, a trauma counselor or something. Uh, and then I'm like, you know, what yeah. am I going to do in Paris? I've got, you know, I've got soldiers and, and veterans to take care of here. But but there is that immediate response to go mm-hmm. towards it. Um, and, and then when that response is thwarted, we get frustrated. But, but another thing that I, I heard you say, and, and you said it there at the end, and you talked about it before, was the response by the the law enforcement officers was like immediate it was it was you know staggering you said how quick they got there oh absolutely um you know las vegas isn't huge so obviously you know there's a lot of stuff there central especially you know on that part of the strip but um even that being said i mean within minutes there were half a dozen to a dozen you know response vehicles there and then you know the ambulances started just coming out of the woodworks i mean it was just it was crazy to see it was just like they were multiplying um i don't know but um you know that aside um you know their response was fantastic but the citizens that were actually there um you know i know you guys are hearing stories and seeing footage but um with my own eyes you know um seeing people grab people and, and you know get them out of the way um you know, get them out of the hot zone, trying to get everybody together under different shelters and cover, um, seeing people 
load up casualties into the backs of trucks and vehicles um, and driving off. Um, one of the ones that passed me, I, it was it was awful, and uh, you're probably going to have to delete this, but there were five or six bodies in the back of that truck, and it was just hauling ass down the strip towards a UMC, I guess. And, uh, you know, I don't obviously know the status of any of those casualties, but, you know, it was just one of those speechless moments like yeah. holy cow um, I mean in, in, but in, um in people is- were acting and they were they were stepping up and you know doing triage and casualty assessment and getting people out of there and um you know that's great that's you can't teach people that they've got to they've got to do that on their own and um you know they they did what they needed to do um I just wish that they had been a little better trained and and you know who knows what could have, you know, been prevented, you know, with more training and preparedness for this. But again, how do you train and how do you prepare for something like this? Um, it's that's, that's the old argument. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. And, you know, and, and um, the response different than the prevention and, and how do you prevent? I, I That's the thing that, that I think has been uh, ringing in my mind was um, – the stories of people helping people that a thousand um, a thousand selfless acts or a thousand acts of humanity a thousand acts where uh, you know we hear stories of of shielding people shielding each other um, you know uh, mothers shielding children and husbands and shielding wives and 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 wives shielding their you know women and shielding their friends and people reaching out and help that that somehow these thousands acts of humanity collectively are going to resound bigger than the one act of horror. Um, that, that personally, perhaps maybe my hope is that the legacy is that, um, we see what we can do under extreme duress, even in response of horror. I, I have to believe that a hundred, 110%. Um, there's, there's a lot of evil out there right now. And, um, you know, I've I've got to believe that the good still outweighs it, and you know, um, just what we've seen in the last, you know, couple months with the hurricanes coming through um, Harvey and the devastation down in Houston and Florida and uh, Puerto Rico and you know those island chains out there and and now in Vegas, um, you know, just the way the communities and the people are stepping up and helping one another, perfect strangers, um, you know, offering their shirt off their back to you know the person beside him not asking for anything in return i mean that's that's what we're supposed to be about and i think that's what we've lost and i hope that people can you know see what's going on and uh, i i really hope at some point it stops taking a tragedy to to get people to come together and um you know realize what we're all about but you know that seems to be what does it that's kind no, of sad I, to say but i mean and you're right. It does, you know, um, in, in not, you know, I think you and I have talked quite a bit. I mean, this isn't about, you know, you know, waking up people and this isn't, you know, um, you know, this isn't, you know, whatever. And that not a conspiracy thing. This is like literal. We, yeah, no, I mean, but we've we've seen um uh, we've seen what happens. Like I said, I've I've been watching this through the eyes of a combat veteran on one hand uh, and a clinical mental health counselor on the other, um, and understanding what the impact um, is and would have been. Um, and and I think that we 
again, veterans have the ability to, to step out and say, hey, we can help. Um, help us help us change things. Help us just just listen to us. You and I talk about that uh, you know quite a bit. How do we how do we get the word out? You said that that uh, in the days leading up to it, um, you know, totally unbeknownst to you, you had been talking to staff of the hotel where you were at. Um, and, and just so, I mean, Vegas is, I've never been to Vegas. My wife and I have talked about it, but it's just, it's, you know, they talk about soft targets, um, and, and it's probably about the, the biggest and, and maybe even the softest. So talk a little and bit about what you saw it. leading up to as far as, as people prepared for some type of, um, emergency. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, for, for what Vegas is supposed to be about and for, you know, it, all of its, I don't know what to call it um, exactly, um, bolstering, it's very, very vulnerable. It's got a very soft underbelly. Um, and I wasn't even doing it deliberately, um, you know, just walking into the hotel. Um, I'm just looking for, you know, exit points and things like that. I'm looking at security. I'm looking for first aid kits, AEDs, um, you know, fire mm-hmm. stand, just anything like that. I'm trying to get a, a feel for the place and, I'm just not seeing it, um, you know, and security walking around left a lot to be desired. And, you know, no disrespect intended. I, I wouldn't want to do that job either. But, um, you know, they they weren't armed. They just kind of looked sloppy and complacent. And, you know, just talking to the um, the lady that I was, one of the staff ladies, it wasn't trying to sell them anything. It was just saying, hey, this is what I've noticed uh, from an outside point of view as someone who does this pretty much for a living. Um you know, and this is something that you guys might want to consider. And she was like, you need to go talk to the head of security or the director of training and tell them because we say this stuff all the time and, and, and you know, they just don't listen to us. Um, so I kind of put it on my uh, on my agenda. I was going to do it you know, the day before I left, um, flew out, go talk to them and say, hey, this is, you know, this is what I've seen. Talk to your staff, um, you know, just kind of throw it out there and um, didn't really think anything else of it. Um, and then this happened and it's just like, I you know I don't even know how to process that. Um, some of those things just like, okay, universe, I get you trying to tell me something maybe, <laughs> but um, big neon sign. But you know even going back in there um, the night that it happened, trying to talk to them, um, they just they had they had no idea what to do, um, and they they weren't ready to admit it either. They basically just kind of dismissed me, and you know we got it, we got it, and I'm going, no, no, you don't got it. You have you far from got it. But um, again, you know, like I said earlier, um, you can't you can't make people do this kind of stuff. They have to, you know, they have to want to train and get the get the knowledge and stuff. But I don't know. I just it was weird. It was really weird. Just kind of surreal being there, you know, for one, and then having that happen on top of uh, you know the the previous conversation. But um, yeah, just I don't know. I got I, <laughs> that's kind of that's that's been my mantra since this whole thing started. Just I don't know. I, I got nothing else. Well, and, just, uh, and I think that, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, uh, in, in even as we were talking, even before this is uh, struggling to find the words. Um, I think I called it infuriating and you said it was beyond infuriating. You know, what, what word is, is, um, what word is more helpless than helpless and, and what word is more angry than, than, you know, rage. Um, you know, this is, this is the response you know your your immediate 
uh, physical response to to your urge to want to save lives and your urge to want to get into the action and then of course my urge to want to help people make sense of this um, when it gets I think your job is is much I think your job is much harder than mine I uh, I do not envy um, you know the mental health professionals especially in the coming days um, like we were talking about earlier um, I was standing there, you know, talking to security as as all this was unfolding, trying to let them know what was going on. And a mother and her daughter come up, and the daughter is just hysterical and crying, and the mother is just incensed. And she's like, "You need to lock this place down. There is a shooting." And I assume the girl was at the concert and had made it out. Um, but you know, I could see it on her face. You know, it was just it was shock and fear, and her whole world just got flipped upside down. Um, for the most part, people here in this country live in a bubble. Um, they are safe. They are protected. And, you know, they don't feel that sense of, of danger and, and need to be proactive and, and ready and things like that. But, um, you know, it, when it hits, it hits really hard. And uh, I think people are seeing that. And I think um, you guys as mental health professionals are going to have your work cut out for you in, in the coming days. And, and, and I agree. Um, this was uh... – you know, we trained for it, even if we only knew about um, combat in a theoretical sense. Um, it's what we signed up for. Um, you know, I, I my career, you know, split between uh, peacetime army and then combat, and and uh, you know, all of my deployments, the majority of my deployments were on the back end. But combat was at least theoretical, and we understood it, and we had our minds set in a certain way. Um, that uh, once we step off this plane, there's a, a likelihood, uh, and the farther, the deeper into the mountains we got, the greater the likelihood. Um, and so we had, again, had our minds set. The people that were going mm -hmm. to that concert didn't have their minds set to be able to, to, um, uh, to combat against that thing, or, or to really even um, sort of process that, um, and. And so they were at an extreme disadvantage uh, where Paddock had all of the disadvantages. Or had oh, all yeah, the advantages, absolutely. sorry. Yeah. No, I, I know what you meant. Um, and that goes, um, that's that's on a lot of different levels. Um, coming from a tactical point of view, um, they were very disadvantaged. And coming from a uh, you know, mental health point of view, they've, they've been disadvantaged um, for quite a while. So, um, you know, we have a lot of vulnerabilities in places we don't even realize. Um, so we definitely need to start thinking about bolstering our defenses, getting people trained physically and mentally um, for, for bad shit, just because it's, it's happening and we need to stop pretending like it's not, um, you know, I don't know. I guess just, I've been, I've been just harping on this for so long um, because I know, and, and you know that bad things happen and can't happen anywhere. And this isn't just active shooter stuff. And, you know, it's, it's anything, but um, you know, the active shooter stuff, it's, it's here, it's, it's happening. And, um, you know, it's, it's time to start thinking seriously about how we're going to, um, you know, approach readiness and, you know, afterwards response, you know, from, from your point of view as a mental health person. So, it's um, I don't know. It's a lot that we need to we need to change, for sure. I just well, don't even know where to start. I mean, and and obviously, you know, this this kind of thing going back to um, you know, um, uh, Whitman and the tower in the '60s or things like that, and and of course the, um, the 
the technology, the news, I mean, it just, I, I found myself trying to find more information, um, you know, uh, and, and it's just simply not there. It's just information moves at the, the pace that it moves, but, but we all want to hear more and, and, and we get frustrated. And so I, I think there's going to be a, a huge wave of conversation around, um, you know, vicarious trauma and people thinking like that. Like I said, I was, um, some uh, some friends of mine, my fellow co-host uh, Jeff Adamek and I, um, we were just talking about uh, caliber and type, and and veterans were having different conversations yesterday than those who had never served uh, because of our experience. Um, I imagine <laughs> yours was the same situation. Um, you know, you were having different conversations yesterday from an emergency response point of view. Yeah. Um... I, I have the, I don't know if it's fortune or misfortune of, of knowing both sides of, um, you know, this particular coin. I, I know, you know, I'm not an SME by any means, but I, I know, you know, cavitation and, you know, how the effects of different rounds impact the body and things like that. And I also know the medical side of the exact same thing. Okay, cavitation, this round's bouncing around. It's going to go through. It's just going to shatter into a million pieces and just rip shit to shreds. Um, you know, that's knowing those things help me do my job better. Uh, but yeah, I, I did find myself definitely, you know, going through these things in my head. And even as I was saying, man, I wish I had my gun. I don't have my gun. I have a nine millimeter that I carry with me. And, you know, this was, this guy was probably several hundred yards away. There wasn't anything I could do, but it was just that that thought process of, okay, get to the threat, uh, you know, eliminate the threat, fire superiority, um, you know, just all these things are going through my head, and I, I couldn't do it, freaking one of them. Um, I'm standing there with a tourniquet in my hand looking like an idiot going, uh, what do I do? Uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> readiness is, is only a, a part of it. But, um, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting, and some of the conversations afterward, um, yeah, but uh, – <laughs> I've had to kind of watch where I'm saying these things at. Like I look around and uh, I realize I'm in public among civilians, people that probably don't understand me or, you know, the thought process of, you know, veterans and people that are in this kind of work. And you got to be careful because sometimes you can really uh, get yourself in, in some awkward situations. No, I, I, I recognize that. My, my wife, um, I was going to a doctor's appointment with my wife yesterday and, uh, uh, and, and, I was wanting to turn on the the news in the in the uh, the waiting room, and and I, you know, I was going to go up and ask, "Hey, can we watch the news?" And I looked around, and there were like kids in there and stuff like that. Is you know, in yes, we we like I've uh, often said, um, those who have served are looking through um, a different filter uh, than those who haven't served. It's the we have a level of awareness. Um, that uh, yeah. it just just through experience and through training um, to be able to to see that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not sure if it's a blessing or a curse. Sometimes <laughs> I guess that, you know ignorance really is bliss um, in certain in certain circumstances. I, I think it might be until the point where um, you know it's. Uh, I, I guess I've always said you know I'm that friend that you don't need or don't want until you need me <laughs> until you want me and, and, and I'm sure yours is the same situation is yeah. is uh, you know um, try to break glass in case of emergency but definitely it's the emergency here Basically. you know yeah. I, I think that uh, and, and there was there 
you know, from what I've seen, and and I, I could give a crap less about um, the reasons, although reasons do help us try to, to make sense of it, but the reasons are not the, uh, the you know, whatever why he did it doesn't matter as much to me, the fact that he did do it, and we have to respond um, to what the situation is. And But you were saying earlier that there was no response to this. There's, there's no way. This is, you know, as, as far as we can tell on the outside, like you said, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, that that the uh, the incident is not doesn't appear to be preventable. You know, I don't want to say that with with any concrete uh, finality because to a degree we can we can prevent things like this. I mean, obviously, you can't treat every situation the same. We're not going to treat a visit by you know a visit by the president the same as a concert. You know, the security protocols are going to be different. Obviously, the resources are going to be different. Um, so to a degree, yeah, um, we can, you know, they had, they had cops there, um, you know, on the scene, on the, you know, on the ground right there. Um, but there weren't snipers in place, you know, there weren't measures of egress or any kind of, um, plan to get people out. Um, but. So in, in, and definitely you're talking about, um, safety response or, or things like that, you know, of course they. You know, we hear uh, often, especially in recent years, about security measures um, that are taken at the the large scale events like the uh, the World Series or the the Super Bowl or stuff like that. Um, very high profile events, um, but uh, but this was just there's there's concerts on the strip every week, I imagine. You know, or, or we know there's concerts. You know, and and this isn't this is sort of the everyday thing. Um, and so you're talking about preventing, um, you know, a, a preventive stance um, uh, or a ready stance in the, the preventive sense um, where, yeah, maybe it, it might not have been um, so uh, uh, so much of a massacre um, had those things been in place. But but how do you how, how would you propose? I mean, this is the you know, uh, Nicole Johnson has a blank check and, and 50 million dollars. Um, to prepare the everyday citizen uh, to respond to emergencies like this. Oh, put me on the spot, aren't you? Uh, man, Dwayne, you know, I really wish I had just a blanket answer um, to solve that problem. If I did, hell, I'd be a millionaire. Um, but I don't. You know, I'm sure there's someone a lot smarter than me out there that's probably already figured this out. Um, but again, you know, we can to a degree prevent these things, um, you know, with awareness training and, you know, like I said, the stop the bleed campaign and things like that. Uh, but, but we can't, we can't just have these, everybody live in fear, um, all the time and Hey, something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Always be watching over your shoulder. Um, you know, we can put in place safety features, metal detectors, have, you know, bag searches at every single venue, uh, the resources um, spent on that would be astronomical, and you know who's to say that it's going to you know prevent anything anyway. Um, at what point does it become a violation of people's rights um, and things like that? You know, same thing with flying. I mean, it's just become a miserable, unpleasant process. Um, and how much good does it really do? So I think where we've really got to focus is not prevention, but um, 
you know, readiness to respond. Uh, you know, that's that's really the only thing we can do and just mitigate the damage when it happens. Um, that's that's where I'm at on this. And again, I don't have an answer for how to do that at a mass level. But there's there's got to be, you know, some way to get everybody on the same sheet of music and, um, you know, put this out there as much as possible. I just, I don't know how. No, Subliminal I, messaging, I, maybe. I, I hear you about the... Um you know, not wanting everybody to live in fear. You know, I, um, you know, I want my kids to go to school and, and feel as though they're going to learn things and not be worried about, you know, um, you know, an active shooter in the school and things like that. You know, that that was a, a lot of the reasons why, especially when I first started deploying, my kids were, you know, in, in grade school and, and we used to say, you know, I'm going over there to, to make sure that the bad guys stay over there. Um, versus come over here kind of thing. Um, and that's how my wife and I gave the message. Um, but, you know, and so there's that balance of trying to be able to say, hey, is there, um, you know, awareness versus over-preparedness? Um, you know, in the, the coming days, I imagine I'm going to have a lot of conversations with my veterans who are going to say, see, see, everything that I've been, you know, preparing for, and this is exactly the kind of thing. And, and, and to say, you know, we know neither the day nor the time. Um, and, and so figuring, I, I like how you said readiness um, versus prevention. You know, this is uh, um, how do we increase readiness or awareness? You know, I, I, I see, I, I listen, you know, you train beyond just, um, you know, Red Cross first aid, right? You know, the CPR, the stop the bleeding and things like that. But um do you think that kind of thing is necessary, giving people more awareness of of um, of, of having a, a level of readiness, you know, um, you know, EDC kits, um, medic kits in the cars, things like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and that's that's not even me, you know, trying to promote any kind of business or anything like that. That's just common sense. Um, you know, have a little bit of training, have some, you know knowledge under your belt and confidence in how to use that knowledge and apply it at the right time and have the equipment that you need to do it. I mean, um, it's just, why not? Um, I just, I don't, if, if someone could give me a really good response to why not, I'll shut up. But until then, um, there's no um, reason, you know, answer that you can give me that makes sense for not having this basic training. Um, a lot of these stop the bleed classes that are going on right now are free you know they're coming in and they're doing this stuff for free um so why not go in and take advantage of that and uh you know you may not ever need it i i hope i hope that the people that i train never have to use this stuff but if they do um you know it, it can save lives it can save their lives it can save the lives of people around them and it's just one of those things where um you know i don't i don't understand why why you wouldn't take the time to do it if you knew that it could make a difference you know, I think back so, to what you were talking about. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, that that you were saying earlier, the will is there. That people were saving people. Uh, that that people were mm -hmm. um, were were staying. Maybe when the urge was to flee, um, and people were helping when the the urge was to abandon. And how much more effective could it have been um, had uh, had they had a level of of training? Um, and, and just, you know, um, the resources that were there. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, you know, I, I can't 
I can't say because I, I didn't see the injuries. I didn't, you know, put hands on anybody. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's shown throughout every, every major event, every war, um, lives are lost because of, um, very grievous injuries that kill quickly. And, um, you know, there's basic things that people can do with very minimal training and skill, um, that can, that can stop that. Um, and I have to imagine that some of the people that, that lost their lives last night probably lost them unnecessarily. And, uh, that burns me up on a lot of levels. Um, so I'm trying not to dwell on it too much, but, um, yeah, I just, in my mind, I can't help but think, man, you know, how many people could have been saved if, uh, you know, if, if the situation had been different, if the supplies on hand had been different, if the officers and the people there you know, on scene had had the training and the equipment they need, maybe a, you know, a medical response bag in, in the trunk of their, you know, patrol cars or something, who knows? But, um, you know, I can't discount uh, the importance of having the right tools at the right time. You know, um, it saves lives. It does. So, you know, and, and I don't yes. know. No, but but the the immediate response, I, I think you're right on it. Um, and and the the idea, of course, you know, all the lives. Uh, and 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 I know this isn't um, what you meant, but all the lives were unnecessarily lost um, because of. You know, oh and, yeah, and yeah. Absolutely. That goes without saying. Judgment on on you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and and I've heard a lot of people heaping uh, you know anger and and spit on this guy. I mean, he did what he did, and you know, a monstrous act was a monstrous act. Well, folks, this is Bennett with Changer POV Podcast Network. Um, I wanted to thank Nicole for coming on to Headspace and Timing, but. Unfortunately, we've run into a little audio issue with her connection. So I want to thank her for coming on Headspace and Timing. I want to thank Dwayne for hosting another great show. But I also want to give uh, Nicole a little shout out and a little plug. Um, She is the owner of Priest Tactical Solutions, which stands for Precision Response for Immediate Emergency Stabilization and Treatment. Her goal is to take cutting-edge, frontline medicine and put it in the hands of the public. So again, Nicole, thank you for coming on. You can find more out on her Facebook page at Priest Tactical Solutions or go to www.priesttactical.com. Thanks again for listening to another great episode of Headspace and Timing. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.